Hi, everyone. This is SEO for e-commerce, episode 16 of Old Guard versus New Blood. We've got a brilliant panel today. This uh, this is uh, going to be interesting for me because I haven't done an awful lot of e-commerce SEO, uh, but fortunately, I've got a, a really good panel around me. Uh, so uh, why don't I bring them in and uh, ask you guys to introduce yourselves, tell us where you're from. Uh, you know, we've got the old guard this time is is Chris and myself, and the new blood is Emma and, and Christina. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with the old guard. Um, Chris, you know, Tell us about yourself and where you come from. Oh, thank you, Dixon. Yes, I'm Chris Dunn. I've been in, well, what's called uh, SEO for since 1998. Wasn't called SEO back then. So I think we met in 1999. We, we yeah. met in the last in the last century. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, that is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it was uh, things like AltaVista Alta Excite were all the rage back then. <sighs> not, not even Google, really, for my first no. year of doing doing this discipline. Uh, fast forward 22 years, uh, and I'm now in my third startup um, and two successful startups along the way. And the startup's called Foundit. And um, we specialize in uh, helping uh, retailers, specifically um, large retailers. And we, uh, we, we've we got an AI platform that predicts uh, intent and simplifies shopper journeys, in short, which helps obviously grow sales through both SEO uplift and site-wide conversion. And that, that's across all channels, so it's not just SEO. Very good. Sounds sounds good. We might have to find out a little bit more about that if we've got time. So, uh, Emma, why don't you tell us who you are and where you come from? Hello, I'm I'm Emma Russell. That tool uh, found it sounds pretty useful. Um, I work at a place called Slingshot Organic. Uh, we've just changed our name from Contemplate Digital, so I was about to say that that could have been a boo boo. Um, but if you've heard of Contemplate Digital, we're now Slingshot Organic, um, and we're predominantly a tech SEO agency, but we do um, content strategies as well with more of a technical spin on them. Um, so yeah, here for the tech e-commerce seo and how old were you when chris and i met <laughs> <laughs> what was i um, no you don't have to ask that that's right that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and christina you're coming away from you're over in toronto i understand um yeah i'm usually in toronto now i'm um, in alberta in canmore in a really beautiful city with mountains and um um I didn't. I didn't work as an SEO uh, in the last century. I was born in the last in the previous century, but I've been in SEO for uh, I think ten years or even more. Um, and uh, I'm an e-commerce and technical SEO consultant. I help uh, small and big online stores to sell more by using. Uh, organic uh, channel, uh, free <laughs> free Google traffic. Um, and I also teach people through my course. Um, and yeah, this is, um, I'm really happy to be here. And I'm sure that the discussion is going to be really, really amazing. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think it, I think it will be. And if uh, if there's anybody out there in and um, watching us live, uh, you can you can tweet us. Uh, you know, we're we're live on YouTube and on Facebook. So feel free to ask us ask some questions. We've got David in the background, who's uh, our producer. David, do you want to say hi? Make sure I haven't missed anything. Hi. Uh yeah, absolutely. We're broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube, as Dixon said, but we're also available as a replay, of course, um, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, other places like that. Um, just go to majestic.com slash webinars to find out more yeah. about that. Brilliant. Okay. And we'll tell you about the other things that are coming up um, at the end of the show. So uh, let's get into it and, and start with uh, SEO free commerce. Firstly, uh, first and foremost, why is SEO free commerce different to SEO 
for anybody else in the world. Um, I, 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 I do SEO. Um, why I do some SEO, uh, but uh, probably not the best. Uh, why is it that um, SEO free commerce is different? I don't know who wants to take that. Emma, I'm going to go with you first. What's the difference between those two? Well, I mean, let's talk about tactics and, and things you can actually do and optimize for. The things that you do are completely different. I mean, let's say you have a blog versus um, an e-commerce site with filtering. You know, you don't have to deal with anything like long tail categories, how to index deeper into your um, left-hand nav or your narrow buys. You don't have to consider that at all with the blog unless you have some kind of um, category situation and you have a lot going on in there. Otherwise, you can probably have a much simpler navigation. So there's a, a lot to factor in and think about when it comes to e-commerce SEO that you wouldn't necessarily encounter on other types of sites like a blog or farmer or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you can scale very quickly um, and it, that can become a, a massive challenge. Um, yeah, so scale, I guess, is probably definitely something that you'd have to think about that you don't necessarily have with other types of site. Christina, any anything to add on that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I agree with Emma and I would also add that um, one of the things that differentiates e-commerce type of websites, and when I say e-commerce type of websites, I, I'm not um, only meaning uh, online stores, but also dealerships. They are also e-commerce type uh, websites and uh, because they have filters, they have um, SRPs, like uh categories in an online store and also kind of marketplaces. And one of the, um, one of the biggest challenges is flexible stock, especially if we are talking about a big store. So when, for example, we talk about a blog or um, let's say a B2B website, you have your, uh, let's say, blog pages, service pages, and they are mostly static. While uh, when it comes to e-commerce type website, especially those that are bigger, you have stock coming in and products coming out of stock, and you should have processes in place to control from the SEO's uh, point of view. This is one of the biggest things. And also to add to Emma's point, um, yes, there are so many URLs and uh, uh, faceted navigation, uh, search results, pages, and whenever you create new URLs from uh, filtering and all this stuff, it creates so many possibilities for duplicate content. And plus, plus there are so many, uh, there can be many product variations and I really love talking about that. There can be many product variations. And sometimes it's not worth to create a separate URLs for those uh, products. And uh, so that causes duplicate uh, issues. And one of the other things that can potentially cause duplicate content is that uh, there are subcategories which belong to multiple categories. And they have different URLs, but list the same products. Uh, yeah, so this is basically a quick overview <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We'll come back to a couple of those because I think, that, yeah, those, yes, those that you've, 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 you've picked out, you know, so, some of the some of the major ones, and I certainly want to come back to the stock one because that's uh, that's a really useful one. But before I do that, Chris, is there any thing that's been burning in your head to shout out on top of those? I think both the ladies have nailed it. Yeah, scale. It's uh, absolutely the scale is where e-commerce is really makes it completely different to anything that you do. Obviously. Um, most people are growing range these days. Most most shops are trying to, to to grow more and more product, which is a really great thing. But 
growing product also is a really bad thing because you're creating it more and more difficult for both your users and we've got to focus on the customer typically and that's where my mantra is at uh, is focusing on the customer and obviously if you focus on the customer you've also got to focus on the search engines as well um, and that in itself is where the difficulties lie I mean you, you, you ladies have touched on all the sort of classic problems facet navigation you know the one size fits all you, you're dealing with what you've inherited quite often the search engines on the site you're dealing with what you've inherited uh, Dixon you'll remember Vignette and Blue Martini yeah those sort of yeah. e-commerce systems absolute yeah. nightmare to work yeah, with yeah, as an they, SEO they, unusable yeah. <laughs> absolutely um, so I'm glad things have got better yeah. but life is still pretty damn tough yeah. so you do need a damn good strategy so let's let's go into one of those those several examples and I don't suppose I'm going to get very much faster for beyond those those points that you've made up in the, the you've given me in the first uh, first part of this presentation but I'd like to try and get some some ways in which uh, people can can deal with them and let's start with that that stock one first, because I think that's a, a really interesting one to bring up. So you, you're trying to be dynamic. You're going to run out of stock. Um, assume you can, you know, techni technically um, set things up. What's the ideal situation for, you know, when you've come out of stock? How do you tell Google that you come out of stock? Do you deliver a 404 page at that URL? Do you then deliver a generic out of stock page at that URL? Um, what do you, if you if you've got the option? How do you how do you deal with running out of stock in, in in a perfect world, Christina? Well, so it depends if this product is out of stock completely or it's going to be restocked. And uh, especially if it's going to be restocked, I would not recommend removing the page and uh, serving a four hundred four page because at the end of the day, you want uh, the product come back to that exact page, which uh, most likely has acquired already some uh, authority from the website, or maybe it even has some external external links pointing to it. And also what's most the most important, people coming to this page, checking in if this product is in stock. So um, ideally what, it, uh, what I recommend to my clients and what we do with my clients, we leave the page uh, as a 200 HTTP status code, which, is basic, which basically means it's uh, this page is available and uh, we just mark the product as out of stock so that it's clear that this product is out of stock but there, uh, there is a possibility that there are other products which are related or products that are similar that are in stock. So instead of uh, saying, oh, this product out of stock and uh, just, uh, I don't know, go to our competitors because you basically, you, you spend lots of money acquiring people and coming to your website. But then if you show them that just for a full page when your product is, in is out of stock, you just lose this and you waste this money. So instead of this, you make sure that you provide this uh, user journey that shows that, okay, there are other products that you might be interested in, or if this product comes in in stock later, you also set up um, notifications so that people can uh, subscribe to, to back and stock notifications and uh, get emails while, when the product is in stock. Uh, so that's basically how I approach uh, situations when the product is out of stock temporarily. Um, I can talk about permanent out of stock, but uh, maybe no. no let's st 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 stick with that yeah. one for a while. I, 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 I've got a question about it, but maybe maybe Emma okay. or, or Chris will come in with with some other ideas on, on on that. Would you would you agree with those or different strategy or? Sure. Yeah. No. That that's uh, that's actually quite a, a really great point. Um, so what Christina mentioned there is, is brilliant. With uh, sort of giving the opportunities for customers to see products uh, of equal sort of merit. 
And we've actually developed a piece of kit on this. So it's something that we've done quite recently. And we had a, one of our customers is a, a big luxury fashion retailer, Global, uh, probably the biggest. They was getting a significant amount of traffic a day to products that have recently just fallen out of stock. And one of the things that we did, and we automated this, so this is completely automated piece of kit, we understood the customer intent of that particular product that was out of stock. We've already mined that. We know what they wanted, so the language of the customer. From that, we could work out which are the most revenue-relevant driving products. So we could then deliver a sort of product carousel, which will then give the width of giving more products in terms of that, but equally, we knew the search terms that they came in on and we could then give. So, so for example, it was a black dress um, and we could then go, well, black dress, it could be party, it could be little black dress. It could be, you know, the SEO goes into the bar, all of those sort of search terms. And we could then give the user the opportunity to go back up the funnel and back into the journey via, via a nice clean link, all automated all distributed on the site and that, and that actually showed a well quite a phenomenal so, percentage so in increase. your in your one they probably wouldn't realize that the product was out of stock anyway and it, no, it, no 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 actually the, the way the page the template is done it's all it, the, the template says this product is out of stock here is some options of products that are of that ilk but equally here's a link back up the funnel to see mm -hmm. that if you want to see the product it's still there yeah okay so the cool. content is still there very, in short. very impressive because uh, because the one thing i was worried about with um emma uh, maybe you can come back on this uh is is um that if you find so so chris mentioned at the start you know that people are getting more and more stock now and what this probably happening is that they're now going straight from warehouse to um to end uh end user without going via, via a store anywhere so they don't need to worry about individual stock in the store they can you know hold up more stock in in a, in a central location and deliver it so um so my, my question is though if you've started to develop that that process and google starts to continually see out of stock on the page, is that going to cause a problem if Google suddenly sees, or if a search engine sees uh, that that that's, that stock is not there, and there's a very similar response coming back all the time? Is that a problem, or can we can we get around that, or does Google not care? Uh, so before I answer that one, I actually wouldn't mind going back to just address something about out of stock strategy. Um, I think as SEOs, we often come up with an ideal, and the ideal will just have SEO in mind, and sometimes we don't necessarily think about the wider goings on with the business. But sometimes it actually causes some some issues for us. So one example of this is is the point of service system linked in any way to how we actually populate products on site. So for example, um, in one of my previous roles, this was the case, and we couldn't take a product down until the returns period was over because the point of service system was linked completely by this one system that was driving what was on site in the messaging on site and the point of service system, um, point of sale system rather. Um, and so we couldn't take a product down from the site um, until that legal period of returns was over because otherwise somebody wouldn't actually be able to return the product. So I think it's, it's interesting um, and I, I completely agree with everything that Christina and, and Chris has said. 
Um, but I think it's interesting to take in other um, factors like the logistics in mind that might actually um, hamper us and, and block us from doing the ideal. Yeah, I get that. I guess that happens quite a lot, really. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, okay. uh, does, does anyone want to answer my question of, you know, if, if you keep on hitting out of stock um, things too heavily, can that be a penalization in, 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 a, in the search engines or is that not something that's a big thing in SEO? In, in, SEO for e-commerce. Not that I've just witnessed uh, of recent times. All we've seen is a, is if you give the user a better journey, then those signals will flow back, and and we've actually seen better performance from those sort of things. You obviously could start using your schema markup as well, um, so you can tell the search engines that this product is out of stock. You can tell the search engines, you know, this is a price. Uh, is it temp? And also, you can deal with it if it's coming back in the future as well. That's quite interesting that you've got an out of stock option in. Uh in the schema that's uh, uh schema's bloody cool these days so much easier right yeah. uh, but for e-commerce it's uh, it's a it's a huge however huge it's, screen, it's, it's still undervalued it's still not being yeah. used i mean it, yeah. it drives me nuts well, well i mean I, I guess e-commerce systems have got to actually have developers building in the, exactly. you know, the ability yeah. to add them because there's just too much to do manually mm. um, and, there, and yeah. there lies sure. the difficulty in trying yeah. to convince developers that uh, this is seo is is from the ground up you know yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. okay well let's Definitely. let's talk about that a little bit there. you know that that whole automization that goes on with e-commerce because i wanted to talk about product feeds a little bit um because the way I understand it, a lot of e-commerce is based on uh, product feeds, whether it's CSV files or, or whatever, that from the manufacturers. So you're trying to find the, you know, you've got the Zanussi fridge with all the spec and all the other bits and pieces, and it's in a it's in a feed from from a, a wholesaler or from a manufacturer. But presumably, all of the e-commerce, um, all the people that are reselling this, have exactly the same data, don't they? So they've got the same the same feed. So does this cause duplicate content problems for a search engine and for the website owner that's trying to sell the sell their their Zanussi fridge than instead of somebody else's Zanussi fridge? Uh, are there real problems with with product feeds, or has that been ironed out as well? Who wants to take that one first? I think you have duplication at two different levels here. Um, firstly, duplication. Let's say you've got two feeds coming in. Um, do you have product duplication um, or variant duplication? That's a huge issue and it can be difficult to iron out. I worked on an affiliate site that had feeds from, I think, 20 different companies um, selling very, very similar products. And ironing out the deduplication there was actually quite tricky because one company will refer to a product as one thing, one product will refer to it as another, um, and it gets tricky quite quickly. So you have um, at one level duplication there, and then you have duplication with all of the content. And again, if you're working with scale, then that's when it becomes really tricky because how do you actually differentiate yourself unless you're automating content or you have some kind of um, really quick and easy way of, of differentiating your site from a different site. And that can be the content on the page, or it could be something else like um, your positioning in the market, your branding, um, ease of use and things like that. I think it, it can definitely be a problem, but you can, you can overcome it with other things or by deduping the page itself and the content on the page itself. Any, any other thoughts on uh, Chris, Christina? Um, yeah, I can add a little bit to this. So uh, definitely as Emma brought, brought, um, brought up really 
interesting thing. And I, I think there is no exact answer in SEO, right? It depends. But, but that's because you need an SEO because in that situation, as Emma pointed out, you're not going to find an answer in a blog post, let's say, do this. Because in your particular situation, it might be different. You need a brain behind this to basically create a customized approach for your store or for your affiliate website, uh, whatever. Uh, but basically, a good, a really good approach, and I'd say best, um, best practice approach would be to have... Um, so. Okay, let's get let's uh, step back for a second. Um, a duplicate du- duplicate content is considered on the page uh, on the page level. So basically, Google considers the whole page to think if it's duplicate or not. And first of all, uh, one page on one website will be different from the another page on the other website because it has the navigate different navigation, has different content blocks, and so on and so forth. So if you have the same images which is not ideal, but still it doesn't mean that your pages with other um, reseller will be identical, right? This is the first thing. And the same uh, goes to about the content itself, the text, this, uh, the specs, because the specs, you, you just can't remove them. Everybody is interested in how huge their, uh, how big their refrigerator is, right? They need to have these dimensions and specs. But then what happens, you can add reviews options to your pages. And when it comes to reviews, if these are reviews specifically for your product or for your store, these are going to bring you more unique content versus all your competitors on all other resellers. And another thing which does uh, require lots of traffic, I'd say, like for example, on Amazon, what they really love is that they have Q&A sections. In addition, to, um, in addition to reviews, they have Q&As when people can ask questions and other users can reply to those questions. And uh, if you use this, and additionally, if you, um, for example, for reviews or for such questions, put hints for people, what things they um, they need to mention in the review, like not need to mention, but can mention in the review, it will also help especially given the new uh, updated approach that Google uh, takes now to the quality of uh, reviews for products from people. So these are good ways to make uh, to make product pages more unique. But also we don't need to forget about category pages because for most uh, for most websites, online stores, category pages will be the main driving uh, driving pages for traffic from Google. And that's where you can differentiate yourself even more than on the product pages. Amazing. I like, I like the Q&A uh, tip. That's a that's a really good way of differentiating content. Chris, do you want to jump in there? And uh, Sorry, I've... Uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, a, that's all right. There's a couple of things. Um, I, I, I totally agree with what the ladies have both said. Um, one thing to be careful of, uh, we have seen, is especially on... Um, in, in certain in certain areas with marketplaces, actually, uh, customers are actually sharing their data twice. So they've written it unique in the first place, and they're sharing it on the likes of Google and other marketplaces. And uh, typically, who's going to rank outrank you is probably Google. I mean, Amazon for your own content. So you have to be careful there when sharing um, when sharing to different third party providers and, and Amazon and people like that. I do agree, writing unique content in the first place. And I know that's very hard at scale, but, but it can be done. Um, there is some automated ways to look at this, uh, long tail variations, synonyms, uh, getting some LSI keywords into that. Um, you know, certain things, uh, we see it all the time in the world I work, sneakers, trainers, just doing some quick swap outs, 
that sort of thing. And you can do that quite at, at scale and you can do that quite nicely. That does help to bring things down to a bit more unique. But I wouldn't sweat too much about certain product data. I mean, like if it's like size and that sort of thing, you can't make that unique. It is what it is. You've just got to add more value to the page for the customer. And also, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, distract too far away from the PDP. Uh, in my experience, uh, about a uh, third PDP? of traffic. Sorry. Sorry, product description page. The product page. You. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> uh, you are getting around a third of tra- your traffic in e-commerce now is is landing on product first, uh, which is a big issue because uh, most of that traffic is actually coming from paid, uh, from Google, the likes of Google Shopping and that sort of stuff, and most of that traffic is generic. It's coming in looking for a category page, but it's landing on, on the product first. So again, I, I I would urge you to do spend time and making that content right on the product page and giving the users the journeys back up to the funnel to the places where they do want to start that journey for that generic journey, such as category pages. So it is it's a bit of everything, frankly. It always is. So I want to dive in with a bit of a uh, I guess a bit of an advanced SEO or maybe a future future SEO kind of question. Google has said that there's moving towards uh, passage indexing and there's not yet been very specific what it means as what it means about passage indexing. So, uh, so these answers may be a little bit more broad uh, in nature, but uh, I'm going to ask a question anyway, because uh, Emma, you, you kind of, well, all of you has kind of talked about trying to make the page one of the ways in which you make those pages unique is by having your own branding, your own stamp, your own uh, messaging on there. We heard the Q&A um, as a really good idea of differentiating the content on, on, the, on the pages as well. Um, but ultimately, if Google is going to start to analyze things by passage as opposed to by page, then arguably you're using the same description of your brand with different products. So the way you're getting a unique page is everything about your brand and everything about the product that you're selling makes a unique blend. But if Google starts to uh, to analyze uh, passages separately, they might sit there and say, "Right, there's a page about the there's a page about the um, the the brand that's the same on every page, and then there's a product that's got the same thing as everywhere else in the world as well. So maybe there is a lot less unique content on here than we thought before. I guess my uh, 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 my question is. Is passage indexing something that is potentially could be really damaging for e-commerce sites that don't have an individual product description for each individual page? Discuss. I'm going to ask Chris <laughs> this one first because uh, because I think that's a really hard question to. Uh, to, uh, to yeah, well, we, we, it's a theory, isn't it? We don't know, in short, and we never know what Google's going to do. And uh, they always try. Uh, we, even back in the day uh, when they when we knew something was coming, we never knew quite what was going to happen and how it would play out, but. I, I would say from from my from the brief understanding that I know of it, yes, you've got to try and do and, and get your your uniqueness into that. So as I said, you can look for the words to swap out in that content. So you're not going to be able to rewrite all the manufacturer's content across a hundred thousand products. That's just not going to happen. Yes, you could, uh, and you could choose, you could structure that and the which order to do them in. Look where you should focus, but you're not going to do that all day long. So what I would do is try and work out some way to automate some swapping out, looking for the right kind of customer intent language, work out what the product, what the engagement rates for those kind of products, what they what they're arriving in, um, look for the long tail varieties of all of that and try to do some kind of machining on that. 
Uh, and that's that you know that sort of stuff is possible and you can do relatively cheaply as well you don't need to be talking to people like us at enterprise level to do that sort of thing and i guess christina you'd say um get unique content at the uh, the category level um yes, at the, you know exactly. so, so that is your own you know messaging at that particular level yeah exactly because uh category pages get a substantial amount of traffic as well and uh i'm a big fan of uh, creating long tail, uh, basically subcategories, sub subcategories to uh, target long tail keywords. But when it comes to passage index, exactly as Chris said, we don't we don't know. We can guess, but we don't know. But one thing that I'm 100% sure about is that it is not going to happen overnight. Uh, because just think about, for example, speed, importance of speed, right? Google started talking about this, uh, I think, three, four years ago. And uh, this new um, COVID vitals thing should have been launched at the beginning of May. And now we are moving uh, to June and um, uh, middle of August. So what it tells me is that, like, first of all, on the Google on the Google side, it's not that easy to switch completely how your search engine works and what uh, factors are taking into consideration, right? This is the first thing. And uh, second thing, um, I'd say Google is quite a, is quite mild in terms of rolling out all these important updates, and we'll have time to adjust. We'll have time to not just guess and think, oh, what I can do now to to get ready for passage indexing. That could be um, a really good talk uh, talk name, but we can only guess <laughs> now. And uh, then while new details are rolling out we can adjust we can think we can think about strategies instead of trying to oh i need to do this now or something right we need to we need to have a strategy first and we can do we can have it while we have more details from google um yeah so that's uh, basically the short answer is we don't know uh, we need to just uh, make sure that the websites that we work on are really good in terms of uh, user experience. They do deliver um, deliver good, um, even shopping experience when, when it comes to online stores uh, and give value. That's basically it. It goes okay. down to this. Very good. Uh, anything, any of, anything else you want to add on that, Emma, or shall I just move on? Uh, yeah, no, I do. I do want to add something. Um, so, I mean, I, we know what their intent is with passage indexing their intent is to bring really great content that just happens to sit in a wider chunk of content all on one page and bring that out and and let users see it more easily that's the intent it's just we don't necessarily know how it will impact other things and i think that's a really good example of something that might happen off the back of it that we didn't in tend for or, or think will happen, but it might happen. Um, so I think that's a really good example, first off. So thank you for that. Um, but I also think, you know, having, um, let's say, going back to the example of a passage about your brand on a product page um, and hoping that that will be, make it unique enough to outrank somebody else. Um, I don't know if that necessarily brings value to the customer when they're looking at that product unless it directly affects them like let's say your brand has let's say you're amazon <laughs> for sake of argument um and you have prime um that is 
something about your brand that impacts a decision on whether you purchase or not. Um, and so I think if you just have a passage about your brand, it's fairly generic. You have it across every page um, and it doesn't really say anything that benefits the user if they land on a product page they haven't encountered you before. I don't think it's necessarily useful. Um, and so I think I would just raise the question of what are you actually putting on the page that's useful? And if you have 100,000 products on your site um, and there's a lot of potential in terms of search volume, people are actually looking for it, um, but not all 100,000, then you have a core set that you focus on and you differentiate those and, and you really provide value for the user, in which case passage indexing, I, I just don't know if it would impact that kind of page. Like if you have those pages where you see that value, you put the effort in and you you add that content, I, I would struggle to see how you would be impacted. And then if you actually do that work, let's say you've got 50% of the rest of your site where there's not so much individual potential in terms of organic to land on that page and you don't have as much content on there, are you going to be impacted anyway if, if there's not much potential for organic traffic there? All right. Fair, good, fair observations. Uh, uh, thanks for your answers, by the way, because I know that was a on the spotty kind of question. So, every, amazing. Um, uh, so, uh, and by the way, Amazon, if anybody from Amazon is listening, I my wife's got Prime. I don't need Prime. I cannot, it's getting out of that checkout without pressing the damn join Prime button is really hard and it's really annoying. So, let's go and talk about tips for doing SEO on, on Amazon then. Um, uh, so, fortunately i've never had to have a an amazon shop so uh i don't know what the pains are for it um you've talked about q and a as a way of uh, of creating some 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 uniqueness christina are there are there um tips that anybody that's that's involved in selling on amazon which i guess anybody in e-commerce is probably doing by now uh some good tips for for amazon that we can share with people only what I said earlier, where, where don't share your content. Make sure your content uh, between your, your your retail sites and your Amazon retail shop is different. So as, basically, as you're saying unique. all of all of Amazon content you've got to pay for anyway. So so you don't want to get your content from Amazon. You 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 don't any sale that you don't get from Amazon is a, is an organic win, and any sale that you get from Amazon is a paid win. Basically, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, there is no, there is no organic in Amazon. Is is, is your, your? Yeah, I don't know. I don't do on Amazon because probably because it's paid. That's that's okay. Um, so, uh, so the, there's really no no way of uh, of of getting an edge against everybody else. You're all going to pay the same amount, or is it all about partnership deals behind the scenes with Amazon to get a better deal? Or you're saying that's not organic, so you're staying away from it. I have never worked with Amazon, but. Uh, it's basically selling Amazon, but my friend does, and I've heard stories from her. And I mean, uh, I know that it's important uh, your reviews, uh, the uh, the average rating of your reviews, and what's interesting um, that maybe sometimes five stars, like all five out of five, is worse than let's say four point five than mm -hmm. uh, out of five. So this is interesting, and also I know that they push. Um, into paid because in Amazon there are organic listings and also pay, paid uh, mm -hmm. listings uh, specifically and I know that it's hard to control as well but uh, yeah I think that it's uh, a different part of realm uh, so I concentrate first on your website 
than going uh, to Amazon. All right, then let's let's come back to an easier an easier pla- uh, sort <laughs> of uh, thing then, uh, and start talking about e-commerce platforms that we can use. So we know there's there's things like you know Shopify or what what are the common platforms uh, that are out there for uh, e-commerce uh, businesses, and uh, which ones are you know which ones have you got as a particular favorite? What 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 would you like to use um, if you were given a, a new client? And we're not talking about I know you guys have, have worked with some pretty big companies and uh, and um, uh, and that's all custom built. But uh, for the majority of us, um, we end up having to do something off the shelf, a WordPress plugin or something like that. Um, uh, what are the limitations of those plugins? What 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 plugins do you, do you think work reasonably well with SEO? So the, the three most um, common uh, e-commerce platforms that I uh, come across uh, are Magento, Shopify, and WooCommerce. And for a long time, I've worked for a company which developed Magento extensions. So I was really uh, in that Magento world. But I say for Magento, you definitely need a lot of money and a dedicated developer uh, because it's a wide big platform and there are so many moving parts and you'll definitely need to even like when you buy a plugin you need to customize it or have it customized for you uh, by a developer or the company that uh that produces this plugin so Mm -hmm. this is something for companies that have lots of uh lots of budget um and also shopify on the other on the other end is shopify is for people who are not tax savvy uh, which is fine, but this is, uh, it has limitations like editing robots.txt, uh, which kind of makes sense because you want to make sure that everybody, like that nobody uh, just gets their website um, disallowed in robots.txt, right? Because as I said, it's it's created not for uh, tech savvy people and it's really easy to uh, set up your story. There are so many, uh, there are different plugins for uh, editing, for example, schema, et cetera, et cetera. And in the middle of it uh, is WooCommerce. And if I created my own store, I would go with WooCommerce because it doesn't require that many uh, development resources as Magento. But at the same time, it's customizable enough because it's basically WordPress. And there are so many plugins for, for WordPress and specifically for SEO, you can use Yoast or Rank Math. And um, at the same time, uh, it gives you lots of flexibility. And uh, yeah, but it needs, it requires some tax saviness still. Okay. Uh, that's a good way of differentiating those three things, you know. If you if you don't know anything, use Shopify. If you've got a developer, use Magento. If you're in the middle and you've used WordPress a lot, use WooCommerce. And big store because Magento, yeah. you, you don't you don't go with Magento if you have free products. It's <laughs> a good tip to know. It's a good tip to know because I'm sure there's plenty of them have done dived in the deep end. So, um, and uh, Chris, Emma, anything you want to add on there? You know, something like um, Salesforce, which is monolithic. I think it's it's so rigid i think for an econ store if you're if you're on salesforce i think there's much more flexibility coming up in the market with with newer platforms um that are likely going to be headless if they have that flexibility and i think that flexibility is needed i I haven't seen a platform that is perfect for seo and i think that the lack of flexibility is is a big problem with them big problem with the monolithic ones like Salesforce. I mean, implementing left-hand nav long-tail categories on Salesforce is a nightmare, right? It's- I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's a much of a muchness. Uh, 
all the platforms have strengths and weaknesses from what I've seen. And, and what we've done is always try to work a way around them, which is which mm. is what your job is. Um, there is some good ones coming coming up. Uh, Big Commerce is, is really making, making some waves recently. And obviously Shopify has got its premium products as well. And Shopify does do a lot of things really well. And I've used Shopify personally, uh, and I quite like it for that. Uh, but I agree with you. The big monolithics, uh, the old, the old schools, the uh, the demand words, which is now Salesforce and your um, and the SAP, uh, which is out there as well. They, they, they're again. They, it really does depend of what you've got behind the scenes. So it goes back actually more to, more closer to PIM data, product data yeah. in the first place. For me, is more important than the platform you choose. So how good is your product data? And then you, because the sites are only as good as what you spit out, really. Um, you Definitely. know, sites are quite dumb. Uh, facet navigation is dumb. It will only spit out what you've got in the product catalog. So if you've got garbage in there, it will be garbage on the site. So Definitely. for me, or if you're going to do hard work, put the effort into your product data, getting your right kind of product set, set up in the background, and you could chuck on any platform on the front, and it will be it will be beautiful compared to compared to most. I found this an absolutely fascinating uh, session. I, I've got to say, before we uh, before we just ask you where people can find out more about you guys, um, David, can I can I bring you back in and find out if there's uh, anything we need to know about the next sessions and what's coming down the the the. Uh, the sure. Um, wonderful session. Um, as you said, Dixon, um, a lot of people were watching live. Uh, we didn't have much um, interaction, many comments. I think many people were just glued to the screens there. But um, we've got another wonderful session coming up in a month's time, as you said there. That's going to be on Wednesday, the 2nd of June at 5 p.m. BST, uh, 12 um, p.m. Um, Eastern Time. And that's um, going to be what you need to know about Google's knowledge graph in 2021. We've already got Dan Taylor and Jason. I, I, I won't have to have a Dunelm uh, advert behind me, but then because I'll have moved house, so I'll be in my in my brand new office, I hope. Well, touch wood, I hope, anyway. <laughs> Superb stuff. <laughs> so um, Dan Taylor and Jason Barnard confirmed for um, next month's episode. Um, of course, if you're listening to this um, on the podcast, remember we stream live as well, so go to majestic.com slash webinars to watch the next one live. That's right. Uh, so guys, um, it leaves me to say thank you very much, but where can people find out about anything that, that they want? Um, uh, Emma, where do they find out about you and, uh, and get hold of you? want to talk talk more sure uh you can find me on twitter at ml russ so e-m-l-r-u-s-s -S, um or go on the slingshot labs website excellent uh chris sure yep yeah, you can find me uh at foundit.com um there is a you can you can also uh, get in touch uh, through uh through our facebook platform and our twitter handles which is all hash foundit uh, with an exclamation mark, and we'll be gladly helping anybody that has trouble with findability on their websites uh, with uh, with large retailers. We love you all. Brilliant. Christina, where do we find your courses? And you? Um, yeah, so uh, you can find me <laughs> first uh, on Twitter. I'm really active there, and my handle is azarchikck at the end. Uh, my company is Marketing Syrup, so uh, you can find the website uh, as well, Marketing Syrup, and uh, at least the services that I provide there, uh, including e-commerce SEO. And if you're interested in learning SEO, there is seochallenge.co, um, and you can go there and start from it. 
That's brilliant. And thanks to the audience that's uh, putting chats in the uh, in the in, in the live feed. Um, thanks very much for giving us some feedback. We do we do like to know that there's people there live, uh, which is good. Uh, so everyone, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, internet world and everybody out there see you next month and uh again thank you to the guests i I really learned a lot today and uh had a good time so thank you very much indeed cheers see you thank you bye-bye